Okay, I am not really a music person. If you caught me in my car, I would likely be listening to talk radio or ESPN radio, but the power of music is not lost on me. We've all had the experience where a song gets stuck in your head and you just can't get it out. So if you're joining us online, drop something in the chat, a song that gets stuck in your head that you just can't get it out. But for those of us in the room, we're about to get some songs stuck in our head. So audience participation time, what's a song that once you hear the first lyric or the song title, you just, it's in there for the rest of the day. Peggy, let's go. You got... Okay. S stuck in your head. Wondrous cross. Okay. Any others just stuck in your head? I'm a parent of kids, so for the longest time, uh, Let It Go was like the anthem. <laughs> and, so, and so you're welcome for that one. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah. And, and Baby Shark, there's, a, there's another one. Okay, so a, a little bit. Y you're, you're welcome. Now, See, it just the, the music becomes kind of like the soundtrack to our lives. We know in moments, uh, maybe we've experienced, th there's a song that might even just depict kind of how we feel. It's, even, it's odd when you have music that doesn't always match the moments. And so you expect it to, to be the same. Think about movies. You know, there, there's a certain score that is played when there's moments of tension or there, there's moments of anticipation. And that tends to stay with us. It becomes like a soundtrack. And we, we even have these soundtracks that, that play in our lives that kind of remember us, maybe even moments of where you were. Maybe you, you've got a wedding song or a special song with, with, your, with your spouse. And I think there's one song to have a little bit of fun with this. There's one song that kind of just transcends time, age, generations, where I, I could just say the first word and you know what, what's coming. So let's, let's see if... See if I'm right here. So if I go, some. <laughs> hey, now you're an all-star. Yeah, see, see, instantly we're singing in the room. I mean, you got it. So, so I, it just, it's like the first word, and it can just, just go. Somebody wants, sorry, I shouldn't sing. I apologize to you in the room and online for, for, for that off-key. But wh whatever it is, it is. It <laughs> Music tells a story. It conveys emotions and moments. Therefore, the same applies to the songs we sing around here at Generations. The songs we sing tell a story. They help us understand who God is and what he is like. They help us even understand who we are and how we should respond to who God is. And so today we're looking at a newer song called Man of Your Word. It's by Maverick City Music. And right there in the title is maybe, maybe a jarring sentiment, a, a jarring statement. God is a man of his word. God is personified as a man of his word. And the question comes out, is God trustworthy? Can you trust God? Some of you, instant gut reaction. You, you had a response. Maybe for some of you, it's yes. Absolutely, hands down, I can trust God. I've been told I should trust God. I trust God. For some of you, you're like, nope, 
nope, I'm not there yet. I really don't trust God. I'm not, I'm, I, I, I hear you, Kyle. I'm, I mean, maybe even here on, in church on Sunday or watch it online. And it's like, I know I'm supposed to trust God, but no, nope, not there. Maybe some of you are, are somewhere in the middle where you're like, man, there's, there's moments where I want to trust God, but my circumstances in my life, I don't know. If I was to, uh, if we were to have a little bit of a conversation right now, regardless of your answer, I would ask a follow-up question. How do you know? If your answer is resoundingly yes or uh, defiantly no or even somewhere in between, how do you know? I think when we begin to look at our lives, our lives have a soundtrack. Our words, voices, beliefs that, that shape how we think, feel, react, and respond. We, we have something that we have internalized that then shows up in our lives. And every day, our lives play some sort of soundtrack. And what we have to begin to wrestle with is, do our lives play the soundtrack of God's story? For Christians... We look at the story of God in Scripture that begin to play a soundtrack and make that become even more known in our lives. And if we look at the, just the title of this song, that God keeps His word, that God even keeps His promises, we have to begin to ask, well, what promise is God keeping? Now, there are many promises throughout Scripture, but I had John read a passage out of Genesis because it's out of that promise that Maverick City lists several ways that God keeps his word. That is, if he says he will do something, we can trust that God will accomplish it. That's the premise. That's what we're singing. So regardless of where you're at today, of, of how you feel in your relationship with God, how, how you're internalizing those words, that is the message of the song. And my hope is that as we look at the lyrics and the meaning behind the music, that that song will be one that you can sing with confidence. Even in the difficult times of life. Even in the uncertain circumstances. And so, if God says He will do something, we can trust that He will accomplish it. Throughout the song, this includes breaking the yoke of slavery to sin, breaking the, the chains that bind in sin. Finishing the good work that he starts, that God is with us, that he is patient with us, and he also declares us as his children. And this was always part of the promise of God from the moment humanity decided to take fate into their own hands. That God was going to be purposefully on the move to restore things, to break the yoke of slavery to sin, to be with us, to be patient with us, to finish the good work that he starts declaring us as his children. But in the beginning, the soundtracks got swapped. Humanity exchanged one playlist for another. We, we said we would rather do things our way, define right and wrong in our own eyes, instead of the soundtrack that, that God had for us, that we could be co-creators with God on this earth, that we hear his love children. And we swapped and started playing by our own set of rules. And so what God had to do is step back into history and show this is the good soundtrack. The highs, the lows that you experience now in, in this world, the soundtrack worth listening to, defining your life, 
speaking into your life is one of God's story of how he calls us his children. He offers freedom and power, that he is a patient and loyal, loving God, that he is with us, and that he always finishes the good work that he starts, even when we don't see it or feel it or tend to not experience it. But it's the Apostle Paul who actually helps us connect these dots. Because while I say all that, you go, well, God, I'm not sure I heard that in the Genesis passage. Paul, the Apostle Paul actually helps connect the dots for us to say, if this is, this is the truth and this is what we should live and respond out of, there's this promise that comes in Genesis that gets traced all the way through Scripture that Paul actually connects the dots in a letter to the Roman church. And Paul knows this story backwards and forwards. It, it, he, he's learned it, he's transformed by it, and then lives this out of the fulfillment of that promise. And so he writes to this church to help them to learn it, to be transformed by it, and to live out the fulfillment of the promise. And so as he writes this, the reason why he writes it to this group is because, little context, there are different people groups from all different backgrounds, walks of life, and stories. Who are, who are living out life out of different soundtracks, sometimes competing. I mean, you all have your musical preferences. To, you know, I, I mean, some of you like pop, some of you like country, you know, some of you like rap. I mean, give me some Lecrae. Up, oh, sorry. I, 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 but it, we, we all have these different soundtracks that, that we listen to, these musical preferences. So you begin to bring that together in a group of people. Well, not necessarily in the Roman church, but just in our church, there, there, can, be, there can be conflict between different groups of people who thought differently, whose backgrounds were different, who are struggling to navigate these differences. And what Paul's premise is, is, is the fact that they're together, different backgrounds, different walks of life, different stories, listening to different soundtracks metaphorically, the fact that they're in the same space, in the same community, under the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is an outcome of the fulfilled promise. See, God stepped back into history and said, Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to nations. It's through your family that I'm going to bring people back together. I'm going to bring unity. I'm going I'm to show them what it's like to be part of the family. And so he does this in Abraham's life. And Abraham even kind of is confused and, and doubtful of this. Because God says, well, you're going to have this big family. I want to bring people from all nations, all people groups into your family. And Abraham and Sarah, his wife, go, we don't even have a kid, and we're 75 and 65 years of age. And we promise. And then what's amazing is they have to wait another 25 years for that promise to be fulfilled. There were some ups and downs. Abraham even said, God, I hear your promise, but, but it's taking too long, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands, conceive a child with, with someone else to try to make the promise happen in my own timing and my own way. And that sh has shaped human history. But God proved faithful. The son whom God had promised was eventually born in Isaac. And his family began to grow and was put into captivity. And the promise was doubted once again. And the very first promise of a redeemer seemed like a long time coming to fulfillment. Yet in all these situations, God proved that he is faithful to his promise. See, for God, there's not a differentiation between speech and action. For us, we, we tend to say something and know that the action will catch up to it. For God, when he says something, he does it. it it's not two separate things. It, it will happen. Sometimes it's not in our timing. It's, it's in his timing. 
God spoke the world into being, and it was. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and showed us what it was like to be human. God's Word is action. The fulfillment in Jesus. Being, bringing the older brother, bringing, being the Savior, being the Lord, who brings us into the family. And so Paul connects these and traces this back to Genesis. And so let me just run you through some of his letter very quickly. Read a lot of scripture, but I want you to get this picture. Starting in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. He took God at his word and was found righteous and right for it. For the promise to Abraham or his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through righteousness that comes by faith. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace to guarantee it to all descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Paul makes this after Romans chapter 4, and, and begins in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, 5. It says, therefore, since we declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice and the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And he spends the next chapters really elaborating on that. And, and he says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved by sin. And he says, our baptism. What he's saying is the soundtrack in your life that's been bombarding you with lies, with faulty things. You're not good enough. You're a loser. You've got to have all the money. You've got to have a full bank account. You're alone. You've got you to have every decision figured out. He says, no, you don't, have, you don't have to succumb to that power. The, 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 the addiction, the, the, the mindset that, that you just can't break free from, that ha, it, it has no more power over you. That's what Paul is saying through faith in Jesus. It's been stripped away, and he, he cites that it's been crucified to the cross in Jesus and cites our baptism. It, it's God-initiated faith responded and expressed in baptism. And, and even when our daily experiences has us do what we don't want to do, when we, when we even think, oh yeah, I should be doing something else. I, I should be living up to this standard. God is patient with us. He is present with us. He even says we are not obligated to live according to the desires of our heart. We can live by the Spirit. In fact, those who are led by God's spirits are God's sons, are God's children. For we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear and receive the spirit of adoption whom we cry out Abba Father Dad God the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children and if children also heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him the soundtracks of our lives that say create security for yourself create significance do whatever means necessary to achieve a status 
the soundtracks that say that's what you have to do to survive, to make it in this life. You get one shot. Those are lies. And we can swap out the soundtracks. And we want to know, so, so God, how, how do we know the promise? How is that proved? And Paul says it's through God's Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit expressed in you. When you put faith in Jesus and you are baptized in him, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's the confirmation that God is fulfilling his promise, that you are a loved child of God. You've been adopted into the family, that you have a status and inheritance. That cannot be taken away. And actually explains that in the rest of Romans 8. He says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Because the Holy Spirit is in your heart. It's in your life, and it's the down payment. It's the proof that you are a part of God's family. What was started in Abraham, traced through Scripture, expressed in Jesus, sealed and paid for by his cross, and sealed by his resurrection, and received through faith, expressed in baptism. You've got the Holy Spirit. So that when the soundtracks of the world start to come at you, the Holy Spirit can whisper to your soul. You've got a Father who loves you who's on your team, who's on your side. You've not been forgotten. You're loved. Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. God has fulfilled the promise by the sin of His Spirit. Things that say, this image, short check, the, the security. Go ahead, take one more drink to cope, to, to make your troubles go away. That God doesn't want you to have any fun. That you deserve better. That you've worked so hard. What's wrong with a little reward? Or even to, to try to divide and isolate. The lies. I'm just saying things that you have heard. The enemy loves to divide and isolate through gossip, slander, and bitterness. And say, you know what's true. Everyone should know how much they've messed up as well. So just pass it on. And what happens is the soundtracks start to affect how we live in relationship in community. So Christians, followers of Jesus, we must allow, replace the soundtracks so that what begins to be expressed in our life is the truth of God, of who he says we are. And then we live like other people are who God says they are. That they are loved. That they are valuable. They are not defined by their past sin and mistakes, but can be defined by Christ. See, that, that, that's what begins to happen, is that we become people of our word because God is a man of his word, which means we can expect him to show up in our lives and others' lives without an agenda. And what happens is sometimes we begin to look for promises and confirmations that God has never given. God didn't say that there wouldn't be an up and down, that it wouldn't be like a zigzag, that there wouldn't be hills and valleys. But what he does say is he's promised to be there with us all, that he's going to finish the good work that he starts, that the sin in your life doesn't have power over you, that we are his kids, meaning that we can be people of our word by being thankful for the freedom from sin and power over sin by saying no to it, being patient with people when they're difficult, declaring news of Jesus and living out of that received adoption. Sometimes that hard. That's hard, and we start to live by a different soundtrack. So how do we switch the soundtracks? 
moment by moment, day by day. Let me give you just a practical exercise that I am constantly applying in my own life. Something called spiritual breathing. To allow the Spirit to speak to our souls and to remind us who God says we are. What spiritual breathing does, it's, it's almost like a word picture that can help us just experience dependence upon the Spirit. So, so it's just breathing. We're all breathing here, at least I hope. I've got when we exhale, we confess our sin. When, when we've messed up, when we've done something wrong, when we've taken matters into our own hands, the moment we become aware of it, we just exhale. And we agree with God concerning what's happened, and we thank Him for His forgiveness. And then we inhale. Remember who he says that we are. We surrender control of our life and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with his presence and be powered by faith so that we can take the next step in him. See, that, that, that's a spiritual reality. It, it's almost as if, if there was a chair sitting beside me and there, it was a little throne of our heart and our life. It's in the moment, it's when, when we sin, when we mess up, when we take things into our own hands, it's we're on, on that chair, on that driver's seat. But in spiritual breathing, we, we put things back as they should be. With Jesus in control, with Jesus in the driver's seat, he, he becomes back on the throne of our life. And, and I give you that word picture, that exercise, the, the inhale, the exhale, the exhale, the inhale. Because there's that little voice that says, but are you sure? But do they know? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? And this is where faith comes in. Because it's not what you can do to make things right with God, but it's what Jesus has done, and it's by faith you step into that reality. See, it's not you putting yourself back on the chair. It's, it's allowing God to say, I've been on the throne all along. I'm there with you. I'm patient with you. I'm finishing the good work that I started. I, you are my child. And this is where our value story over sin comes in. And just to solidify that point, let's think about an airplane. To be transported by an airplane, we must place our faith in the trustworthiness of the aircraft and the pilot who flies it. Our fleeting confidence or fear do not affect the ability of the airplane to transport us, though it does affect how much we enjoy the trip. So when we recognize that sin has no power over us, that God's going to finish the good work that he starts, that he is patient with us, with us, and that we are his children, that he is a man of his word. It's not contingent upon us. It's contingent upon who God is and his truth and his faithfulness. See, some of you are sitting in this room right now or watching online because God's been faithful in your life. Because God started a work, and he is bringing it to completion. He is actively working. You're an outcome of the promise. So each and every day, we as a church must tell that story. We, we must tell the story of God being at work to be people of truth. Because in a world of deep flakes, clickbait headlines, reductionist memes, fake news, and more, Christians should be the most trustworthy people. 
We should be shaped by God's story, knowing that he fulfills his promises. And we don't have to result to the enemy's tactics, to the enemy's soundtracks, to get our will and our way. Because God will complete the work that he has started. And we see that in confirmation through his Holy Spirit coming to dwell within believers. That's the proof of God's promise. So when we're wrong, we can admit that we're wrong. We can point to his story. So it's God's story that shapes our lives. God is, God does, we are, so we do. So the songs we sing helps replace the faulty soundtracks in our heads. The songs we live will help replace the faulty soundtracks in our world. It's the promise of God's word that is our authority, that the Christian lives by faith and trustworthiness of God, of himself and his word. So I don't know where you're at today. As you find yourself doubting and confused and uncertain, that's okay. God has promised that he's be patient with us, that's not dependent upon our actions, but who he is. And as we step into that, as we grow in Christ-likeness, we begin to express who he is to the world around us. God's story shape our lives. Because can God be trusted? Absolutely. Yes, he can. And he's going to prove that to us throughout our lives. Let me pray. God, you are good. I'm thankful that you have fulfilled your promise in the sending of your Holy Spirit. God, that when we doubt, when we confuse, that you don't run away from us, that you're not scared by that, God, but ultimately, God, you are just present with us over and over again. That you have a loyal love that pursues us, and we see that in Jesus. Thank you for your love and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.